Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Good morning, Salem Lions Church. I'm Ash, live this time. <laughs> Good morning, Deaf Ecclesia. Good to see you. Um, and I'm Brian. <laughs> I'll introduce myself. I'll I got you. you. And uh, we're so excited that you've joined us at the family table. This is our Family Gathers Month, and we are celebrating our multi generational church all month. And we're going to be talking about timeless truths, truths that are great for every stage, for every age of life. But before we dive into that, we obviously need to have our family breakfast. So if you haven't already opened up your fruit snacks, feel free to dive into obviously the most nutritional family breakfast you'll receive and uh, enjoy. Now, Brian, I know in your family, you have a box of questions that you leave on your dining room table that just fosters connection, conversation. And it looks like we have a box of questions here on our family table. So can I ask you a question from the box? Sure. All right. You're going to either way. I absolutely am. (laughs) All right, let's see what he gets. Okay, Brian, share something that is true about you. All right. Um, I am the youngest of three boys in my family. And bonus, I love fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh, come on. Raise your hand if you like fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Yes, you just connected with everybody. (laughs) I actually really like this question. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and share something that is true about you with a neighbor? something true about you? Oh, perfect, perfect. (laughs) Hello, I'm Elise, and I said that I'm the one who cooks dinner for the family a lot. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I validated that is true, the thumbs up from the family, and you can visit me anytime. (laughs) What about somebody else? What's one more thing that is true about someone in our family? Brian's getting his exercise in. Go, Brian, go. Our family is creative. Nice. Those, that is true. I know your family, and your family is creative indeed. The reality is there's a lot of true things about us. I'm affirming that whatever you shared is probably true. But today, Brian and I want to talk about what is the truest thing about you? And so we're going to start by diving into a book that maybe many of you had read to you at some point, or maybe you've been the person who's read it. I see some excitement. Raise your hand if you've ever read the book, Where the Wild Things Are. Awesome. Well, we are going to read it together at the family table. Um, I'm going to be the narrator, and Brian's going to be the characters. (laughs) It just feels, feels right on so many levels. So if you can follow along, the illustrations will be on the screen. Where the wild things are. The night Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief of one kind, 
And another, his mother called him, Wild Thing. And Max said, I'll eat you up. So he was sent to bed without eating anything. That very night in Max's room, a forest grew and grew and grew until his ceiling hung with vines and the walls became the world all around. And an ocean tumbled by with a private boat for Max. And he sailed off through night and day and in and out of weeks and almost over a year to where the wild things are. And when he came to the place where the wild things are, they roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws. Till Max said, be still. And tamed them with the magic trick of staring into all their yellow eyes without blinking once. And they were frightened and called him the most wild thing of all and made him king of all wild things. And now, cried Max, let the wild rumpus start. Now stop. Max said and sent the wild things off to bed without their supper. And Max, the king of all wild things, was lonely. And he wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. Then all around, from far away, across the world, he smelled good things to eat. So he gave up being king of where the wild things are. But the wild things cried, Oh, please don't go. We'll eat you up. We love you so. And Max said, No. The wild things roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws. But Max stepped into his private boat and waved goodbye and sailed back over a year and in and out of weeks and through a day and into the night of his very own room where he found his supper waiting for him and it was still hot. The end. In our story, we begin by meeting Max. And Max is causing all sorts of mischief. And so his mother calls him a... Wild thing. That's right. Now, is it true that Max is being a wild thing? Yes, absolutely. He's getting into trouble. He's being crazy. And so his mother sends him to bed without supper. And he falls asleep and he wanders off to the world of where the wild things are. And he leans hard into this identity of wild thing and becomes the ultimate wild thing, nay, the king of the wild things. What has been spoken over Max, Max has believed is the truest thing about him. And so as Max elevates this true thing to the truest thing, and he gains position and power, and he leads the wild rumpus, he begins to sense that maybe something is missing. He begins to feel a little lonely and disappointed, and he starts to wonder if maybe wild thing is in fact not the truest thing about him. So he decides to journey home to a place where he is loved because he knows that home is where he will hear what the truest thing about him is. 
He's also hungry. (laughs) And so what is the truest thing about you? Have you believed that the truest thing about you is something that you do or achieve? Is the truest thing about you something that someone has spoken over you? Is the truest thing desires that you have or interests or passions that you possess? What is the truest thing about you? Because the reality is there are many true things about us. But we, like Max, must also journey home to a place where we are loved to hear what the truest thing about us is. And for us in this room, home is in the arms of our Father and Creator God. And counter to the stream of culture that would say we need to go and find our identity, our loving Heavenly Father says, no, you get to receive your identity. The created listening to the loving words of the Creator. And so as we ask this identity question of what is the truest thing about you, it leads us to this timeless and transformational truth. And it's this, God alone has the authority to declare the truest things about us. God alone has the authority to declare the truest things about us. Now, there's a lot of scriptures that speak to our identity. We want to look at just one verse here this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or it'll be up on the screen. But this verse takes place right after Jesus was baptized. Before he had done any of his public ministry, before he had done any of the miracles that we love to read about so much, God the Father speaks this over his son. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And the transformational truth that we need to see in this verse is that these things are true about us as well. You see, God the Father spoke this over Jesus, but he speaks this over us as well. And God wants us to be anchored into this identity because this is the truest thing about us. And so there's three unique things that we see in this verse. Ash, would you give us the first one? The first one is that we are family, sons and daughters. We want you to see a little bit of our family. So here's a family pic of Brian. There it is. Precious Precious moments. Yes. So I have two older brothers, and uh, that's my dad with the sweet stash and haircut. And that's just a whole lot of plaid. And that's why plaid is still my favorite color. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And here's a picture of some of my family. I'm the oldest of five brothers. This is two of them, Austin and Colby. I think one of the things we have to note here is that I have an issue with commitment. And uh, I have a very non-committal relationship with my bangs here. Like, are we having bangs or are we not having bangs? That's obviously something we have to note. But my favorite thing about this photo, which reminds me of family, is that family protects one another, right? I've got that protective hand on my brother. He's got the protective hand on the next brother. And then obviously we have a stick because there's one brother who always like beats off anyone who comes against the family. And so that's a little bit of our families. But in God's family, there is always a seat for us at the table. The family table is for you and for me. And not only that, 
But there is a spot at the family table, a name card that has your name on it. And it sits here at your spot to remind you that this is where you belong, as a son or a daughter at the family table. The other thing that we get as a part of the family of God is we get a father who loves us and champions us and pours his grace and mercy out on us. And we also get siblings, brothers and sisters who we get to walk life with, who we get to celebrate with when things are amazing, who we get to grieve with when things are lost and who we get to encourage when things are hard. And so would you turn to your neighbor and say, you are a part of the family. Okay, so God speaks this over Jesus, and he says, this is my son, that's family, and then he says, whom I love. We are loved. And the word there, it's, it's beloved. It means divinely loved, esteemed, dear. It means favorite. And if you have siblings, you've probably asked this question at one time or another of your parents. Who's the favorite? Now, I you didn't mean- You always already know, though. <laughs> right. I didn't need to ask this in my family because the answer was quite obvious that it was my middle brother. Always the middle. Just speaking the truth in love. But yes, um, that's what it is. We are loved. It means that we're perfectly loved, that somehow we are all God's favorite. And God's love for us is evident by the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could have a seat at the table. We are loved. And if you can imagine that great banquet hall that one day we as children of God, as family, will be in and and all of the family pictures that could be up on the wall and just know that as a child of God, your picture's there and God is so proud of that picture and he's so excited that that picture's on the wall and he wants to talk about it with whoever's around him and he wants to be like, look, this is is my child Hmm. and I love them so much. Hmm. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are loved. And the last is that we are pleasing to God. If you're like, what does that mean that we are pleasing to God? It means that you are chosen gladly, that he's excessively proud of you. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. He rejoices over you. We say in this place often that God not only loves you, he likes you. And I was meditating on that this week and just being reminded that the fact that he imparts his Holy Spirit to dwell in us at all times, I'm like, who else wants to be that close with me all the time? He likes us. He desires to be close to us always. And so turn to your neighbor and say, you are pleasing to God. I love that we get to speak these truths over each other here this morning. Now, my daughter taught me about identity in a unique way this past summer. Uh, And this is how she explained it to me, that we all have a capital S self. This is our true identity. This is who we really are. And our capital S self is anchored in the things that God speaks over us. Things like we just read in Matthew chapter 3, that we are family... We 
are loved, we are pleasing to God. And these are the truest things about us. And as we said earlier, God alone has the authority to declare the truest things about us. Now, we also have a bunch of lowercase s attributes that are also true about us. They make up who we are. Some of them are great, some not so great. A lot of them are really great. Let me give you a few examples. Our abilities and talents are lowercase s's, whether you're a musician, an athlete, a cook, an artist, a mechanic, an academic. Our temperament, those things are true about us, whether we're calm or peaceful or really energetic (laughs) or reserved or impulsive or carefree, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, where you fit in your family whether you're mom or dad or son or daughter or grandparent, your physical attributes, they're true about you. And honestly, even our struggles are true about us. Our addictions, our anxiety, our depression, all of these are lowercase s's that make up who we are. Now, one of the biggest problems that we will face in our identity is when we confuse a lowercase s with a capital S. Which is easy to do, right? Because lowercase s's look a lot like capital S's. And the truth is, is that our whole lives, we will be tempted to capitalize a lowercase s at the expense of our true capital S self. Our whole lives, we're going to face this temptation to capitalize one of those lowercase s's at the expense of our true capital S self. And it happens in a lot of different ways, you know. Sometimes we get praised for something that we do, and we like it. We like to be seen. People say, you're, you're such a good musician, or you did such a great project. What a great presentation. You look great. You scored so many points in that game, or you're so good at your job. You're such a great artist. And so that lowercase s starts to get a little bit bigger. Or we feel trapped by our struggles and we feel like those are the things that define us. Maybe somebody has spoken something over us that we've just hung on to and that lowercase s starts to get capitalized. As Ashley read about Max earlier, Max leaned into the identity of wild thing that was spoken over him. And maybe we just do something for such a long time that it just begins to feel like the capital S in our lives. We've been doing this for for years and years and years, whether it's being a parent or it's a job that we've had. And it's just easy to kind of live into those lowercase s's because we don't really believe what God speaks over us, that we're family, that we're loved, that we're pleasing to God. But but here's the thing, capitalizing lowercase s's causes all kinds of identity issues. Let me give a few examples. If our identity is based on our performance, if we capitalize the lowercase s that's one of our talents, we are going to struggle. We'll struggle with our identity because we do not always perform perfectly. And there's a good chance that somebody out there is better than us at the thing that we are best at. When I was in high school, I played basketball, and we were in the semifinal game. The game before the championship, the score was tied. There's five seconds left to go. I have the ball. I take the shot. I get fouled. So I go to the free throw line. The place is going crazy, and I step up, and I sink both of them. And I'm kind of backpedaling, thinking about who's going to play me in the movie of my life. (laughs) Because I hit the game-winning shot. Yeah, nice. Yeah, three seconds too early. 
because they inbounded it to this little guy who heaved it up from half court and it goes in, game over. I know, I went from woo to wah, wah. My performance was bested. You see, if our identity is based on our performance, then it's going to rise and it's going to fall. And every time we perform poorly, we're going to have an identity crisis. If our identity is based on our position, if we capitalize one of our lowercase s roles, then we're also going to struggle with identity because we are constantly in transition. You go from student to graduate or in a relationship to out of a relationship or mom, dad to empty nest or job to retirement. Anytime we transform a lowercase s to a capital S, then we become unsure of who we are. We have an identity crisis. We lose the freedom to embrace our true selves. You see, our identity needs to be based on the things that are truest about us. And only God gets to declare those things. And so young people in the room, if you can hang on to this right now, it will save you from so much and it will serve you so well. But we know that this isn't just a young people thing, that this is something that is true at every stage of our lives. And so I've asked my friend Denny to share just a little bit of his story. I'm Denny Sanders. I had the privilege of growing up in a church and made a decision young in life to follow Jesus. I've been encouraged to find my identity in Jesus for a number of years. Many of those years I've carried around in my Bible a list compiled by Neil Anderson that he titled who I am in Christ. They are statements based in scripture like, I am God's child. I am complete in Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven. Anderson's encouragement is to declare who I am in Christ, yet the question, who am I, lingered for me. There's a question that every young person hears, what do you want to be when you grow up? That question begs the question, who am I? If you know my story, you know I never figured out the answer to my question, what do I want to be when I grow up? I was in my late 30s before we had children. When my wife informed me that she was pregnant, I was over the top excited. When our son was born, I embraced the identity of dad. I was all in. Diapers? No problem. <laughs> Two years later, our daughter was born. And it's been 24 years later, and who, guess who she still has wrapped around her finger? <laughs> I was comfortable being dad. Not long after our daughter was born, and even though I hadn't yet figured out specifically what I wanted to be when I grew up, God graciously gave me a job that was perfect for me. I became a mobile dental clinic manager for a Christian nonprofit. We had 38-foot Winnebago's that had two dental chairs in them and equipped with everything needed to offer pain relief to people who didn't have access to dental care. We affectionately called the mobile units dental vans. I referred to myself in many texts to volunteers as Dental Van Denny. <laughs> Do you hear where I found my identity? My wife will confirm it. My work was my life. I retired in June of this year. Knowing that I was wrapped up in my work, I began many months earlier thinking about what understanding and embracing my identity in Jesus was to look like. 
In fact, the morning of the day Brian asked me about sharing on this subject this weekend, I had written in my journal, quote, I am a child of God, loved by him. Thank you, God, that I feel it more today than before, unquote. In figuring out this identity thing, I've recently come to think that being a husband, a dad, a friend, a volunteer, they're all valid parts of who I am. And I also think how I have lived into all those roles has been influenced by the decision I made early in life to follow Jesus. Being a Jesus follower, knowing I'm loved by him, is the anchor of my life. I'd like to believe that most of the decisions I've made, especially those related to how I've treated other people, have been influenced and are being influenced by being a follower of Jesus. So here's a question for all of us. Will you walk anchored to your truest identity? Thanks, Denny. When we live anchored to the truest things about us, that we are sons and daughters, loved, liked, and pleasing to God, then we get to live from a place of security and love, which frees us from the distraction of needing to escalate our S's or to elevate our true things. And it mobilizes us to bring the peace and power and presence of Christ wherever we go. A city at peace with God happens when a church leans into and believes the truest things about us. And so how do we keep our identity rooted in those things? Uh, We just have three things real quick in closing. And first, I would just say this. We need to identify. We need to identify what those lowercase s's are that we have lived into. And this might call for some introspection in our lives. And we might have to process that or journal about that. Or have this conversation over lunch with your family, with your spouse, with your friends. Talk about that. What do they see in your life as well? The second thing we'd say is just confess. When you sense yourself on a conversation elevating a lowercase s to becoming your big s, confessing it to God, oh man, I'm so sorry, Jesus, I did that again. And he's so gentle and so gracious to say, I got you, girl, it's okay. Let's just keep doing this. And so catch it and just confess it. He's so gracious in that. And then I would say confess over and over and over what is the truest thing about you, that you are son and daughter, that you're loved and liked and he's pleased with you. So that can continue to sink in as the truest thing. And lastly, I would say anchor. We need to anchor ourselves to these truest things. And so I want to give us one really practical thing that we can continue to add to our lives. And it's, it's practicing Sabbath. It's one of those holy hobbies that Katie talked about last week. And Sabbath is just regular routine of rest and refocus. We want to practice Sabbath because Sabbath is releasing the control that we think we have to the person who's really control of it all. Sabbath is just resting in the fact that our performance doesn't define us. Our position does not define us. Sabbath is a place when we get to come home, just like Max, and learn about the truest things of who we are. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this truth in your word. And I just pray this blessing over this congregation, over those who are are watching online, that we would be able to receive these truest things, that we are family, that we are loved, and that we are pleasing to you. And I pray that our identity is firmly rooted in that, that we would listen only to you, God. In your name, Jesus, amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.